Well, good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you on this beautiful fall morning. It is nice to be walking in the building and not sweating this morning. And hope you're enjoying the beautiful day that God has given to us. We're grateful for those of you who are able to be here in person and those who are watching on live stream. We're so thankful we get to worship together as a church family this morning. So just a few announcements for us this morning, and then I get the privilege of introducing a few new members for us. But a few announcements first. First, I want to remind you of something CJ's mentioned several times for us recently, and that's the Awaken Community Worship Service. This has been going on for several years to bring the body of Christ in Montgomery together to worship the Lord. And it's going to be at Riverwalk Stadium in just three weeks on Sunday, November 7th at 6 p.m. It's a time of praising the Lord in song and scripture readings and celebrating communion together with our brothers and sisters from different churches across the city. So that's again in three weeks at 6 p.m. on Sunday, November 7th. Our other announcement for you this morning is we want to let you, remind you about Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. It's a great ministry to take the gospel to the ends of the earth by packing a, a shoebox of gifts. And so we should see another quick video about it this morning of why we do Operation Christmas Child as a church. mentioned before, if you pack a shoebox with gifts, these go to children all around the world who've never heard about Jesus. And it doesn't stop with the shoeboxes. Once they get the shoeboxes, they can enroll in a course called The Greatest Journey, where they learn about the gospel, and then there's discipleship to help them grow for those who believe in Christ. And it's just a great opportunity. So we have just three to four weeks to get these done. We collect the boxes November 7th and November 14th. So the next, so three weeks from today and four weeks from today are our two collections Sunday. So if you haven't picked up your shoebox yet, we have empty ones ready for you, so you can just fill them with the gifts. They're in the hallway outside the church office. There's brochures above it of how to pack it, labels so you can track it and see where they go. It's just a great ministry. I want to encourage you to grab one today and to be part of that. Well, Jeff Moody, one of our elders, to come give you an update about an opportunity to have to grow in sharing our faith. Thank you. I want to... Are we good? All right, there we go. So I want to share with you a couple of statistics that I found this week that I think are interesting. This is from the Pew Research Center's Religious Landscape Study. 2014 about the state of Alabama, 86% of adults in Alabama say that they are Christian. And then this, the following, I think, indicates some kind of, something's wrong here. When it asked the question about absolute standards for right and wrong, 43% of people, of adults, said there are clear standards for what is right and wrong. 55% said right or wrong depends on the situation. So, that's, that doesn't seem to add up, because if we truly believe 
in Jesus, if we are a Christian, then we think that there are some absolute standards for right and wrong, some ways that the Word of God speaks to us. And I think what this indicates is in our culture, we use the term Christian a lot. In the South, especially as someone who's born and raised here in this city and in the South, we have this idea of we are in a Christian culture. We are the buckle of the Bible belt, as often been said. And so when we think about things like authentic faith and talking to people about what it means to be a Christian, it can be rather difficult in the South because so many people will say, I'm a Christian. But maybe the Word of God does not have that sort of uh, influence on their life that we would call uh, Christianity. So we're going to talk about that today, and we we'll talk about what it means to really live out our faith and, and talk and understand Christianity in this sort of context. So 4 o'clock today, we'll be here in the sanctuary. This is our gateway forum. We're doing it first and third Sundays for the next several months. I hope you'll join us. Well, thank you, Jeff, for that. So... It's a great opportunity to come be equipped and to think about the faith. Hope you'll be part of that. Well, I'll get a chance now to introduce several of our new members. We have more who are in the membership process that are not finished yet. There's others who are not able to be here today, but I get to introduce three different families today for you. So Sherry Levine, Noah and Jordan Barksdale, and Chris and Christy Lim, you guys come on up to the front here and just stand across from us so people can see you guys. Okay, So come on up here. So It's not a scary group, I promise. I get to look at them every week. So. <laughs> So as they're coming, let me just remind you how the membership process at Gateway works. When people have been visiting for a while and they feel the Lord leading to be part of this faith family here, they come to a Discover Gateway lunch at my house and we get to share more of what the church is about and get to hear their stories and a little get to know them better. And if they decide, yeah, this is a church we want to partner with, they meet with one of the elders one-on-one to share their testimony of God's grace. And then we send it to you, the church family, for approval as members. And so we're excited today to welcome several of our new members here. Let me tell you a little bit about them. We'll start right here in the middle with Miss Sherry Levine. Sherry is from Alabama, but she grew up all over the Southeast. She moved a lot. She was active duty Air Force for 10 years as a Gulf War veteran. And so we are thankful for your service to our country, Sherry. She's retired now and enjoys retirement with family and friends. And she enjoys her three fur babies at home and loves dog sitting. So if you need a dog sitter, you've got one right here, Miss Sherry. Sherry, we're so thankful God's brought you to Gateway. Down here on this end is Noah and Jordan Barksdale. These guys are newlyweds. They got married, what, back in January? So they are in their first year of marriage. They're both recent Troy graduates. Jordan is a staff accountant at the Taylor Chandler firm, and Noah is a shipping analyst with Hanon Systems. And their free time is newlyweds. They enjoy traveling, camping, and watching movies. And we are so thankful that God has brought you guys to Gateway also. So welcome to you guys. And not newlyweds are Chris and Chrissy Lim right here. So they have been married for 32 years. So let's get you guys together to talk about marriage there. They've been married 32 years. They have six children, including their daughter, Rebecca, who is here. They have two, as they said, extremely adorable grandchildren. Chris works for the state of Alabama, and Chrissy is a dyslexia specialist. And so they're originally from Southern California, so they got the big culture shock of moving to Alabama from California, right? Um, They said because they've moved so much, their hobbies really should be packing and moving. So... In their free time, right? But in, besides packing and moving, they enjoy reading. Chrissy has started gardening there, and they're just really excited to be here and connect with you guys. So let's welcome to the Lim family also. Thanks, guys. If y'all want to head back to your seat. And so, Gateway family, I hope you'll get to know them. They're new faces, not just in them and others who are visiting. So reach out to them, get to know them, take them to a meal or a lunch or coffee. And it's just neat that the people the Lord has sent our way, and we'd love for you to get to connect with them and get to know them as well. Well, as we prepare our hearts to sing to the Lord this morning, I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. 
We're singing about the greatness of the Lord this morning and thinking about who our God is. And so hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 86. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you because you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any words like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great, and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. Let's think about and sing about the greatness and wonders of our God today. Done great things. 
on some missions in the life of the church, some partnerships we have with work being done in India, and you guys met Ryan and Joy Thomas recently, who are headed back to Southeast Asia, and so Alicia's going to come give us an update on them so we know how to be praying for them. To work on this India sponsorship program, um, and so I said, sure, I could help with that, and I've been doing this just kind of keeping contact with our partners in India since then. Um, so I am sort of just the person who gets the emails from India and then tries to send them out to the people who are committed to praying for them. But before I get too far into the details, I wanted to share the verse from Psalm 46:10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so that's just a reminder to us that um, when we talk about what's happening in the nations, it's not just because we're trying to do good things abroad, but because it's God's mission and plan for the whole world to know his name. So we have had a partnership in uh, Dehradun, which is in Uttarakhand, North India, for over 12 years. It was going before I got tapped in to work on it, um, and it was... A child sponsorship program is what I have given updates on before. So if you've been here for a while, you know that we have a partnership with a a residential school, which is essentially a boarding school, and um, that we would care for and pray for specific children and then send funds to them. And since COVID, that school has 
uh, closed the residential side, which means there are not many children living there from, I think they at one time had like 200 kids, and so now there are, um, did I have a slide go up or no? Okay, so now there's eight young adults that are um, on the campus right now, and Helena is our friend in India, and I had asked her just to send me a little bit about the ones who are there. So if you've been sponsoring a child, you've already heard from me to know that there aren't children actually going to school living on campus due to COVID, Um, but these eight children are young adults now who are living, um, and I just wanted to share a little bit about a few of them, and this is my buddy Ian, yeah. He didn't want to be put down or left alone. So, um, one of the or the two girls who are on there in their bios that was shared, I was surprised to see both of them. Their mothers had died and their fathers had left them, and they've been living at the school for most of their lives for the last 15 years. Um, and they've been cared for by the staff that are there. And then there's a woman in the middle. She's older. She's 43, and her name is Anita. And she's a special needs individual who's been there since she was five years old. So um, anyway, I was just really touched to read more about the people who are living there that New Life Center is helping to care for. And they are still doing a lot of community outreach. But just wanted to encourage those of you who have been praying or maybe wondering what's going on there. Um, They have young adults that they're providing for. So if you'll go to the next slide... So there's also a network of pastors, and Helena sent us information on what the pastors have been doing through COVID, Um, and it's astounding that you have, most of these are a couple who are working across six villages, ten villages, they're traveling back and forth, Um, but anyway, just really impressed to hear that the work of God is still going on. There are still churches that are growing. They say that um, some of their churches, they have people awaiting baptism. They have, um, they're trying to grow out of the building that they have been given in particular villages. So the work of God is continuing, but they have lost a lot. Um, They said that they've had 17 members within their churches die due to COVID. So that's like specific COVID related in addition to regular loss throughout the year. So you can go, there's one more slide. Um, so I wanted us to particularly pray for the, the man and the woman there. They're not connected. They're both um, a widow and a widower who have continued on in ministry. And so their names are um, VJ is the man. And then the woman's name, mm, I have it here, Karuna. So VJ and Karuna are um, people who have suffered a lot of loss in their ministry and have continued to go out and serve. And so if we will pray, especially for VJ and Karuna as they're single people. Miss Molly's here to catch you if you want down. Every time I put him down, he doesn't want down, though. Yeah. All right. So that's the short on India. We'll see. I can hold him, Molly. All right. She's going to run away. Um, just one minute left, I promise, buddy. 
So the last, so if you have interest in India, see me, see the church office. If you have interest in sending funds to support the work that's going on there, um, you can give online, gatewaybaptist.com. You have to create an account if you don't already have one, but there's a give now, and you select India Child Sponsorship. So it's really easy to give a one-time or recurring gift if that's something on your heart. Regardless of giving, um, prayer is, of course, the biggest thing they ask for. Um, Helena specifically asked for prayer against manifestations of evil that they have seen. Like Those were her quotes. But manifestations of evil in the villages... Um, so just pray. Spiritual darkness is real, and it is at the forefront of what they're doing. And we can pray and seek and serve the God from far, far away, because he is mighty to save. Um, so the last short update that Ryan had asked me to share about is the Thomases, who were, who are friends of mine, but who were here last month. Um, they're IMB missionaries, and they have been serving in China and are now preparing to go back out into Southeast Asia. And so they just wanted to share that uh, their oldest daughter, Hosanna, has... um, Yeah, so their oldest daughter, Hosanna, um, has professed faith in Christ, and they've worked with her to kind of sift through what that means. Um, But she was baptized last two weeks ago, so that was very exciting for their family. Um, They have five kids, so she's... Joy, the mom, is homeschooling all of them still as they await October 26th is an IMB board meeting that will hopefully set everything in effect for them to be able to go out into Southeast Asia. So they're looking at um, being hopefully back out on the field in November. So they ask for prayer, especially for that October 26th meeting. Um, And their email address is up there, or you can contact the church office if you want updates on what they're doing. So that is all that I have. The last is just the verse that says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, Just that reminder that God's work among the nations is going forth, and we are the gateway to get to be a part of that. Um, Things come through us and go out from us, just like Christ is the gateway. So anyway, the reminder that making disciples of all nations is our mission. Let's pray together. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 55, it's an invitation. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You say, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And you say in Isaiah 57, For thus says the Lord, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Lord, we come to you this morning and we just receive this invitation to come into your presence to buy when we have nothing to buy with. To come into your presence to be abundantly pardoned in Jesus Christ. To come and to be revived. Those of us who are lowly, who are contrite, Lord, I pray that you would revive our souls this morning. Lord, I pray that for all of us here today, that as we come into this church, as we come into this place, as we get to worship you, 
this would not just be a religious act that we do week by week, but that we would experience your presence, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would come, that you would remind us of your incredible mercy and goodness, that you have conquered death. And Lord, we just come into your presence now with a sense of relief today. We no longer have to perform. We don't have to do anything. You, Jesus Christ, have done it. And so, Lord, I just pray for your peace over this place right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we enter into your rest. And Lord, I want to pray that specifically for our brother, C.J. Falcioni, who's been going through his health issues with his heart and with all that's been going on. Father, we pray your rest over our brother and over Nikki, Lord. We pray that you would heal him and rest him up. We pray that you would give him just a wonderful sense of your presence now as he's resting at home. Just meet him there, Father. Still his heart, still his mind. Give him great joy and great peace in this moment. And Lord, I just want to lift up those, those uh, ministries that Alicia was, was updating us on. What a wonderful thing to hear about the work that's being done all around the world, Father. In India, in Asia, we just pray you would bless those who are doing it, Father. We pray that you would give them everything they need to accomplish your work. We pray most of all, Lord, that they would know that they are loved by you this morning. Yeah, that, that, that they would know that you have saved them, that you have set them on solid ground, is that they go forth with that work. They would do so from a place of joy and belonging to you. And that, Lord, you would give them great favor in their ministry. We pray against the evil that's being manifested in those villages in India, Father. We pray that you would just exert your power and authority over those evil spirits and that you would drive them away. You have conquered death. You have conquered Satan, Lord. And we pray that your word would go forth and would produce fruit through the ministry of those individuals who are doing it, Lord. Lord, we pray for our gateway for our senior adults um, who are ministering here. We pray for their health and for, and for you to continue to use them, Lord. We just pray that you would guide them and direct them, that they would know that they are loved and that they are appreciated, that they would find ways to continue to offer their gifts, Father. They are so needed. Their wisdom is so needed. And we just pray that you would watch over them and draw them back uh, just to this community, Father. I know it's kind of scary with COVID and with the health risks and all that type of thing. We just pray you'd watch over them and protect them, Father, that we would just be able to continue to fellowship and to be with them, Lord. Lord, we pray for this uh, formation of the, the mercy ministry here at Gateway. We had our first meeting here this morning to uh, just to be more intentional about the manner in which we minister to the poor of our city, Father. I pray that you would grow a heart in us as a church to minister to the poor. We know that you love the poor, that you are drawn to the poor. And Lord, I pray that we would have that same heart, that you would open doors for us to do that, that you would give us wisdom and discernment in how to do that. And that most of all, Father, you would be glorified in that. And we just pray for your help and your guidance in that. We pray for Dwayne Rimbert, the minister of Flatline Church in Chisholm, Father. We just bless Dwayne, Father. He does so much, and he's got so many, um, he's just doing so many different things, Father. We pray you'd give him great wisdom and energy and endurance, that you would uh, just allow him to continue to be fruitful in that ministry, that you would protect he and his family and that many would, would continue to come to know you as a result of that ministry, Father. Lord, we pray for Taylor and Sarah Fox in Strasbourg, France, as they're continuing to minister primarily to the college students there. We just pray that you would watch over them, that you would give them wisdom and guidance, that you would give them open doors, that, that uh, some of these college students would come to faith in you as a result of their ministry, Lord. We just pray you'd protect them and watch over them. 
Uh, Lord, we pray for the offering that's been given today and has, has been given online. We just pray that we would be good stewards of that, Father, that we would all uh, take this opportunity to worship you by declaring our faith and our hope in you alone, by giving of our money for it to be used in your kingdom and for your good, Father. And we pray we would do that, that we would glorify you through that, Lord. And finally, Lord, we pray for Grady as he shares this morning, as he gets ready to preach, Lord, we just pray that you would give him great peace and great joy and great clarity as he comes to proclaim your word, that we as a church would have hearts and ears to hear, that this would change us, Lord, that it would bring conviction to us, and it would bring us great comfort and great peace in your word, Father. We just thank you for the opportunity to gather today to worship you. We thank you for your love for us, your grace to us, and we just pray for a wonderful morning to be able to delight in you and your presence, Father. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And boys and girls, first to fourth grade are dismissed to kids' worship. So first to fourth graders, you are dismissed to kids' worship right now. What is good to see you this morning, Gateway family, and we're grateful for Alicia's update to know how to be praying for the Thomas family. Ryan preached here several months ago, if you remember him, and um, I want to continue to encourage you to keep praying for him and to pray for those partners we have in India. So don't you find Romans chapter 8 in your copy of God's Word, Romans chapter 8 in your copy of God's Word this morning. Now, if you've heard the song from Andrew Peterson, it's a song we've actually sung here before, and Laurie's had our kids' group sing it before, but it's the song, Is He Worthy?, and in that song, it asks a question that I've been thinking about recently. And the question is this, do you feel the world is broken? Do you remember the answer? We do, right? Yeah, we feel the world is broken. The other question that follows up to that in that song is, do you feel the shadows deepen? And we proclaim, we do, friends. We feel the reality of brokenness in the world. We feel the reality of brokenness in ourselves. We get sick. We have health struggles. Our bodies decline. We get older. Things don't work like they used to work. We feel the reality of brokenness in ourselves. We feel the reality of brokenness in relationships. We feel hurt and pain from separation and when relationships have been fragmented. We feel the pain from other people's sin. We feel the brokenness from our own sin that has hurt other people. Friends, we feel the reality of brokenness in society. If you watch the news at all, it only takes a minute to see brokenness everywhere. You see the anger, the selfishness, the violence, the racism, the division, the wars. We go on and on. You see brokenness everywhere we turn. And friends, we see brokenness even in the creation itself. You see the droughts and the floods and the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the tornadoes and all these things. You even see brokenness in the cosmic realm with solar flares and stars exploding, asteroids hitting planets. We could just go on and on. There's brokenness everywhere. Friends, creation is broken, all parts of it. The cosmos, our earth, and even us were all broken. But friends, if you remember in that song, Is He Worthy? It doesn't stop with just the reality of brokenness. It also asks the question, do you wish that you could see it all? made new. And we proclaim when we hear that, we do. And friends, that is our topic for this morning. We can continue our study of seeking to be more rooted and grounded in the Word of God. We come to the topic of the reality of brokenness with the hope of redemption for that brokenness. The hope when we see all these things made new. So our question for this morning is question 26 from the New City Catechism that's guiding us. And the question is simply, what else does Christ's death redeem? What else does Christ's death redeem? Redeem. You know, we've been talking a lot about the concept of redemption 
the last two months, that when Christ died on the cross for us, when he rose again, he redeemed us, that he bought us back, that we were far from God, and so he redeemed us. He paid the price to reconcile us to God, to redeem us. And we usually focus on the forgiveness of sins, that when Christ redeemed us, he forgives us of our sin. He forgives us from the penalty of our sin. He begins to free us from the power of sin, and it's right for us to focus on that. And that's what we've been talking about for about six weeks now. But today we ask the question, and the key here is what else? What else does Jesus' death redeem? Yes, it redeems us from our sin, but what else does Jesus' death redeem? And it has everything to do with the question we ask. Do you feel the world is broken, and do you want to see it all made new? We find the answer for that question, that hope, in what else Christ's death redeems. So as we look for the answer, let's look at Romans chapter 8. This morning we're going to be in verses 20 to 23. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? I'm reading out the English Standard Version and. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. We'll be looking for what else Christ's death redeems. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Would you pray with me? Father, we see the reality of brokenness, where we've seen it in our own life this week. We've seen it in our relationships this week. We've seen it in the news this week. We've seen it even in the created order this week. And Father, as we think about the reality of brokenness, Lord, I pray it wouldn't leave us hopeless. But God, it would drive us to the source of hope, to fix our minds not only here and now, but on eternity. So we ask Holy Spirit, you to come fill us, let your word come alive, illuminate it to us, make it clear to us, and show us the hope we have in Christ Jesus today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So to find the hope in this text, let's start with the reality of brokenness in the world. And when you look at this particular text, Paul describes brokenness in a really unique way. He describes it in past tense, present tense, and future tense. So he describes the reality of brokenness in the world in past, present, and future. Let's look at the past tense here. He shows us where the brokenness came from. So go back to verse 20, and let's see how he begins. He says, for the creation. Now let's just stop right there. By creation, he means the created things. Anything in the universe, but in particularly what he has in view here, the earth, the land, the seas, the sky, and all that is in them, the plants, the animals, the ground, the water, everything that God created. Let me just remind us at the outset, when God created everything with the sound of his voice, nothing more, everything he made was perfect and good. There was a time when there was no brokenness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 reminds us of this. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very What? It was very good. When God made the world, there was no brokenness, there were no flaws, there were no problems, there was no division. Everything was good and perfect and unified and worked like it should. Friends, when God made the world, the world was exactly what he created it to be, and the world did exactly what he created it to do. So what changed? Well, go back to verse 20 of our text today. For the creation was subjected to futility. Now, this word futility, some of your Bible translations may say to frustration. Perhaps the most literal word there, it literally means vanity, emptiness, uselessness. The creation was subjected to vanity. The creation was subjected to uselessness. The creation was subjected to emptiness. Now, what in the world does that mean? It simply means that the creation 
is no longer able to be and to do all that God made it to be and to do. This word is frustration field just means that the creation is no longer able to be and to do all that God made creation to be and to do. Now, it does not mean it's completely useless. It's not. We're alive today because the created order still works, right? Creation still supports life. Creation still points us to the glory of God. It still accomplishes things, but it is no longer able to be all that God first made it to be. It's no longer able to do all that God first made it to do. In other words, creation is broken. Which again, is why you have hurricanes and floods and droughts in the created order. That's why you see animals killing other animals. That's why we had a crow out here dragging a dead mouse across the courtyard this last week as I'm watching it out my window. You see all these things because creation is broken. That's why plants wither and die, and that's why mosquitoes still bite people in Alabama in mid-October, right? (laughs) Because creation is broken, because the world is not like it once was. And what a glorious day that was when there were no mosquitoes biting people, right? Creation is broken. It's no longer able to be and to do all that God designed it to be and to do. And what changed? But we're told here in verse 20, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. Something was done to the creation. The creation had no flaws in itself. The way God designed the universe to operate and the planets to operate and our earth to operate, all those things, there was no flaws in and of itself that would lead to this brokenness. Rather, it's broken because it was subjected to this brokenness. What was done to it? Quite simply, it was put under judgment. The entire created order was put under judgment by God himself. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him. Him here is God, because of God who subjected it. That God subjected the created order to this futility under judgment. Now that sounds really weird. Why would God do this? Because of sin. Because God is a holy God and God punishes sin. We go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, and we get a glimpse of this. This is a text we call the curse, where the world becomes broken. Sin has just come in the world. Adam and Eve have disobeyed God and eaten from the tree that God has said do not eat from. And when God puts the curse on them, and particularly when he speaks to Adam, notice how it affects the entire created order. And to Adam, he, God said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is what? Cursed is the ground. And the punishment that Adam was going to experience for his sin, because a holy God punishes sin and must punish sin, the ground was cursed because of it. He says, In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now, he goes on to the next verse in verse 18. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. So here the creation is being subjected to futility because of the curse, because of sin. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Then verse 19, he carries on. By the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust into dust. You shall return. Then when God, a holy God, had to judge sin, the whole created order came under judgment and began to experience this futility, this brokenness. The judgment of a holy God impacted the entire creation. That's the past tense. Remember, Paul talks about brokenness in past, present, and future. There's a present tense here also. We see that the brokenness continues today. So present tense, this brokenness was not just in the past. It continues today. Look at verse 22 for us here this morning. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until when? Until now, friends. Today the creation is still groaning. There's still brokenness in the world today. Now to help us see this, Paul uses a technique called personification, where he uses human attributes to describe non-human things to help us grasp the reality of a truth. He says the creation, here he's speaking of everything apart from Humanity, the creation is groaning in pain. 
Well, we know that the creation is not literally groaning with audible groans like we're thinking about here, but he's personifying it for us to help us see the whole creation is broken. The whole creation is hurting like a woman in labor having a child. With that type of pain, the whole creation is hurting, is groaning from the brokenness. And notice the extent of this in verse 22, for we know that the whole, the entire, every part of creation, plant kingdom, animal kingdom, the forces of nature, the cosmos, everything is hurting from brokenness. There's something important about this we must not miss. Believers are not spared this brokenness. Friends, we as believers are not spared from this reality of brokenness. Friends, there is a wrong theology that is so prevalent today, and you've heard me say this before, but this infiltrates the American church, this idea that God's plan for you and for me is to get me from birth to death in the safest, happiest, easiest, most comfortable way possible. Friends, that is everywhere in the American church. And it's this idea that we should somehow be spared from brokenness, this wrong idea that we should somehow be exempt from hardships, that that animal should not bite us, that that mosquito shouldn't afflict us, that the tornado should not hit our home or our neighborhood, that poverty should never affect us. And on and on we go, this expectation somehow that believers are above suffering. And Paul corrects that here as does the entire council of Scripture. Go back to verse 23 this morning. And notice what Paul says here. And not only the creation... But who? We. We ourselves, friends, believers who have the Holy Spirit, we still groan inwardly. We still feel brokenness. We still feel the pain of the brokenness of the world and of ourselves and of our relationships. And we groan inwardly in this, that believers are not exempt from groaning. And why do we groan inwardly? Because life is hard. Because we live in a world, broken world with broken bodies because we live in a world where there's broken relationships, because we live in a world with lots and lots of suffering. Because one of the authors I read this week said it this way, made me stop and think. He said, our lives consist of groans. Think about that. Our entire lives consist of groans. We groan because of the ravages that sin makes in our lives and in the lives of those we love. We groan because we see possibilities that are not being captured and employed. And then we groan because we see gifted people who are wasting their lives and we would love to see something else happening. There's so many things around us that cause us to groan. There's so much brokenness that we experience day by day that leads us to feel hurt. Now, thankfully, Paul doesn't leave us there because that'd be a pretty depressing message if that was all there was. But he goes on, and now with acknowledging that reality of brokenness, he now points us to hope, hope for creation and hope for us as well. Notice, let's start with the hope for the created order here, the hope for creation. Where do we see this here? Remember I said he talks about brokenness in creation with past tense, where it came from present tense, there's brokenness, but then there's a future tense here, which he speaks of, which shows us the hope in here. And look at where we see this. Go back to verse number 20 this morning. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In what? In what? And hope, friends, don't miss that. When God gave the curse, God also gave hope. When God put us under judgment, there's also the promise of redemption to come with the curse Because of the fall, there came the promise of redemption. There is hope in the midst of all this brokenness. And what is the hope? Verse 21 tells us, And hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Friends, the future tense hope here is that this brokenness we experience is only temporary. This brokenness, this pain we do in this life is only temporary. It will not last forever. It will end. He shows us this in two different ways here in verse 21. First, he tells us the beginning of verse 21 here, that the creation itself will be set free. It will be delivered from, from its bondage to 
corruption. Corruption means decay, decline, death. All that's going to go away. There's going to be a day when nothing breaks, when there's no death, no decline, nothing falls apart. Creation will be freed from being broken. It's not just creation will be freed from something. It'll get something even more. And that's the next phrase there in verse 21. It will obtain, it will receive something that's lacking. It will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, what in the world does that mean? We're going to come to it in just a minute here. But when, we, when Jesus returns and we get resurrection bodies, we get something more glorious than what we're in right now. We get something restored. He's saying just as there's going to be a glory about the people of God and the presence of God, the entire created order will experience this renewal to where it is more glorious than it is right now. That just as God's people will be restored, God's entire created order will be restored. That the creation will be free to be everything God made it to be. The creation will be free to do everything God made it to do. There's suffering now, but glory is coming. There's suffering now, but redemption is coming for the world. But not just for the world, for us as well. There's hope for us in this as well. And look at the hope for us, friends. Look at verse number 23. He says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the, re- the redemption of our bodies. He's pointing you and I to a future hope. And what is our hope, friends? He gives us two things. When life is hard and we deal with brokenness, there's two things he's telling us to anchor ourselves on. Number one, that the day is coming, friends, when we will know God in ways beyond what we can imagine now. That the day is coming, friends, when we will know God in ways far beyond anything we've experienced or can imagine now. Now, where do we see this? Go back to verse 23 here, where he tells us in verse 23 that we, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, what in the world does that mean? That's kind of a strange imagery, the first fruits of the Spirit. We have to go back to the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament, when the harvest would come in, what they would do is they take the very first of what they received, and they take it to God as a sacrifice to God. They give God their first fruits. Two reasons. One is an offering to God. It was an act of worship. But two, they would give God the first fruits as a declaration that they believed more was coming. They gave this back to God, saying, God, I know this is the first wheat I've gotten this year. This is the first whatever I've gotten this year, but I'm going to go ahead and give it back to you because I love you, but also because I believe you're going to provide more. That's the exact image that Paul was kind of grabbing onto right here. He is saying we are the first fruits of the Spirit, that we already have the Holy Spirit, that if you are a child of God, you've believed in Christ, He's forgiven your sins, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit has sealed you for the day of redemption. You're secure because of the Holy Spirit. He's in you, dwelling in you. He is guiding you, directing you, holding you. But friends, all that we've experienced the Holy Spirit is but a tiny foretaste of what is to come in our experience of God. It's just the first fruits. There's so much more to experience of God than anything that we have experienced so far. Paul kind of elaborates in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, and gives us a glimpse of this. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I don't know, friends, if you've ever in the mornings when you're trying to get ready and your bathroom mirror is fogged up and you're trying to look at it to see if I missed a spot shaving or if you got all your teeth brushed or whatever, you know, you're looking in the mirror and it's fogged up, it's hard to see. That's our experience of God now. It's, we experience God and it's real and it's good, but there's so much more. If you've ever been in an antique store or been in a house with a really old mirror where it's hard to see and you're kind of dim in it, that's our experience of God now compared to the fullness of what awaits us. Yes, life is hard now, friends, but the day is coming where we will experience God in ways far beyond anything we've ever experienced or even can imagine. But there's a second hope to anchor us in when we deal with the brokenness of this world. 
And the second hope is this. We will one day be freed from all bodily hardships. We will be freed one day from all bodily hardships. Look at verse 23. This is incredible. Every time we have an ache and a pain or we get older and things don't work like they used to, whatever it is, this is something we can cling on to. Verse 23. And not only, sorry, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown and released. We wait eagerly for adoption of sons. Notice this, the redemption of our bodies. Dear friends, the day is coming where we are given a resurrection body, a redeemed body, where our bodies are made right and whole, and all the effects of sin are done away with. All the effects of aging are done away with. All the effects of brokenness are done away with. We get a resurrected, glorified body, free of temptation, free of sin, no more bruises, no more scratch, no more mosquito bites, no more twisted ankles, right? No more headaches, no more whatever else it is that plagues us now. We're getting a new body one day free of all of that. There's suffering now, but even redemption of our bodies is coming. Paul explains this a little bit in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. In Philippians 3, he paints this picture for us. For our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 21. I think we got the next one up there for you also. Who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. Now let that sink in, friends. When Christ rose from the dead, He was given a resurrection body. And the promise for believers is that one day we too will have our bodies transformed. We're not just going to be spirits floating around in heaven strumming on harps forever. We will get a resurrection body like Christ where our bodies are made right and whole and complete and free of the effects of sin and free of the effects of judgment and the curse where we are completely restored to be who God has made us to be and to do what God has made us to do. A different author I was reading this week said it this way. He said, God's final purpose for you is not to have your soul or your spirit floating around without your body in some ghost-like mansion in the sky. His purpose for you is to raise your body from the dead and make it new and beautiful and healthy and strong. Friends, the world is broken. There's suffering and there's groaning now, even in our physical bodies, but there is hope, hope for redemption, hope for new bodies one day when Christ returns. And how do we get this? Just like forgiveness, this redemption comes at a high cost. This is secured through what Christ did. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 tells us. In Colossians 1, it's pointing us to Christ. For in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Then in verse 20, it tells us. And through Him, through Christ, to reconcile to Himself, how many things? All things. Everything. Our bodies, the sun, the moon, the earth, all the creator, the plants, the trees, and somehow even the mosquitoes, all things in heaven and earth are going to be reconciled to Him. And He did it by making peace by the blood of the cross. Then when Christ died on the cross, yes, that is what gives us forgiveness of sins, but that's also what begins the restoration of all of creation. All things, and all things means all things. If you can see it, if it's real, it's there, it is in the all things. Again, from the earth to the sun to the moon to the water to the animals to the plants to you and me and our bodies, all things he's going to reconcile to himself. He's going to redeem them all. So let's bring all that together and answer our question this morning. What else does Christ's death redeem? Here's our main idea. Here's our answer for the morning. Jesus' death and resurrection begins the redemption of every part of his fallen creation. And when Jesus died on the cross, yes, we need to focus on him forgiving us of our sins and redeeming us from our sins. That is good, and we need to focus on that. But let's not forget that, that what he did on the cross also purchases the redemption of the entire created order. Because of what he did, the day is coming when there will be no more brokenness, no more pain. And have we realized that day? No, it's not here yet. But it's coming. Have we fully experienced it? No. 
but it's coming. You may have heard people say before, you know, I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. That's the idea here. I have been saved. If you're in Christ, you have been saved. He's saved you from the penalty of sin. He saved you from the power of sin. But he's not done with us yet. We are now being saved. He's freeing us from the power of sin more and more as we walk through this life. But the day is coming when we will fully be saved. When we are freed from the presence of sin. We're in his presence forever. When we one day get a resurrection body and everything is back to like he designed it originally to be. Jesus' death and resurrection begins the redemption of every part of his fallen creation. Now friends, that's the truth but that leads to the question, how should that truth be changing us? So I ask you three questions this morning. I hope you'll take time to ponder them this week. Because this idea of redemption of the whole creation and the redemption of our body shouldn't just be some like nice, just theological treatise for us to think about. This should be life-altering for me and for you. If we really believe that there's hope for all the brokenness in this life, this should change how we approach life. So three questions for us this morning. Number one, do you lament the brokenness you experience. Number one, do you lament the brokenness you experience? Friends, our lives are full of brokenness. And relationships and our bodies in created order and all these things, our life is full of brokenness. We will experience it, so do we lament it? Now, what do I mean by lament? So lament is a term we found when we studied the Psalms. To lament something is when God's people recognize pain and acknowledge it. They grieve the pain, they grieve the brokenness, because they know this is not how the world is supposed to be. Friends, let me just stop there and just say, it is good for us as believers to grieve brokenness. We don't have to pretend that we're in the Lego movie and everything is awesome all the time, okay? We're not that kids running around going, everything is awesome all day. Friends, everything is not awesome. We have broken relationships, we have broken health, we live in a broken world. Friends, everything is not awesome all the time. It is okay as believers to not have to pretend everything is okay. We can grieve and we should grieve the brokenness. This is not how the world was meant to be. But when you see lament in the Psalms, you don't just stop there with grieving it. You go talk to God about that grief. You take to God your brokenness. He already knows it all, but he invites us to come to him and bring our brokenness and our experience to him and lament to him, grieve to him all the hardships we're facing in this broken world because he wants to meet us where we are with that brokenness, whether it's our physical brokenness, our relational brokenness, our sin brokenness, the brokenness because of the created order. He wants to meet us where we are and walk with us and comfort us and grow us. And so we are to lament the brokenness that we experience. The problem is most of us really stink at lamenting. A lot of us really have a hard time going to God and lamenting. Some of us instead try to stuff those feelings, those negative emotions, and try to ignore it, whether it's out of self-protection or whatever reason. We become numb to the pain, and we just kind of ignore the brokenness and pretend it's not there. Some of us feel it, but don't feel like we can go talk to God about it. We have this wrong idea that I have to pretend in prayer that everything's okay when I talk to God. And so we keep to ourselves all this pain and hurt we're feeling versus just Kind of spitting out and saying, God, this is where I'm at. I'm going to be real with you. We feel like we can't talk to God about it. Some of us obsess on, over our brokenness instead. Instead of talking to God, we fixate on it. We become bitter. We become angry. We just kind of dwell in that brokenness and obsess over the brokenness and get mad at people and mad at God instead of talking to Him about it. But friends, God calls us to take it to Him and to lament it to Him, to acknowledge it is real. Friends, this has been a big growing process for me this year. I realized about a year ago as we were walking through some of our challenges at a church, I didn't have a clue how to lament. That I was just trying to act like everything was okay. And God has really been growing me this year in the beauty of lamenting. I just want to challenge you as well to get into the Psalms and realize when you see brokenness, 
It's okay to be real before God. We don't have to pretend it's okay. We can go talk to our God and grieve the brokenness and take it to Him because He wants to meet us where we are. So question one, friends, are you lamenting the brokenness you experience? Number two, friends, are you longing for the coming day of restoration? Are you longing for the coming day of restoration? Do you think often about the day when the creation is restored, when our bodies are restored, when we see God for who He is? Do you long, friends, for that day? There's an important phrase here. Look back in verse 23 of our text this morning. I don't want us to miss this. In verse 23 here, it says, Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, notice this, as we wait how? As we wait how? We wait eagerly for our adoption of sons. When it's all complete, when we're fully saved in that sense, when we get our redemption bodies, we are to wait eagerly. That phrase eagerly literally means to stretch your neck. This idea of you're excited, you're kind of stretching your neck, trying to see what's to come. That's the image that we as believers are to be stretching our neck with excitement because we cannot help but long for and wait for the day when Jesus takes all this brokenness and makes it right. Friends, every day as we face brokenness, it is an opportunity to stretch our necks and remember that Jesus is coming. Every time we feel the pain of a broken relationship, it's a chance to stretch our necks and long for that day. Every mosquito bite, when you're itching, is a chance to remember and long for that day. Every time we hear the hard things in the news that is happening, it's a chance for us to stretch our necks and look towards and long for that day of redemption. Friends, are you eager for Jesus' return? Are you stretching your neck eager for him to come back and make all the brokenness right? Or have we become comfortable with the here and now? Because it is so easy for us to lose sight of eternity act like this is our home, everything's about this now, and to forget the fact that this is transitory and passing, and eternity awaits us. Friends, do you long for that coming day of redemption? One last question this morning. Is this hope freeing you from sinful patterns now? Is this hope freeing you from sinful patterns now? Friends, when life is hard and broken, when we face trials and we experience all these different types of brokenness, it's easy for sin to take hold in so many ways. It can be fear, and worry and anxiety. It can be anger and frustration and disappointment and bitterness towards God and others. But sometimes the brokenness, we just, it leads us to kind of appease ourselves and get self-focused and try to drown out the pain with substances, with media, with social media, with stuff and buy more stuff. Friends, there's so many things that we do when we deal with the brokenness of life that are not the godly response to it. But friends, if we can get, by God's grace, our mind on the fact that this is temporary, our home is in heaven, that he is going to redeem all the brokenness, make all the wrongs right, and even redeem our physical bodies, that should lead us to a place where we can go to him honestly lamenting, honestly focusing on him, and hoping for the day he restores all things. Friends, that should flood our lives with peace and free us from the bondage of sin now. 2 Peter chapter 3 gives us a small glimpse of this. In 2 Peter 3, 13 and 14, we got that up there for you. But according to his promise, we are waiting. Again, we're eager for this, friends. We're hoping for this. We're thinking about this. We're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. When everything the wrong is made right, when all the brokenness is fixed, we long for that. Now, how does that change us? Verse 14 tells us, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, since you're waiting for restoration, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And at what? And at peace, friends, when we focus on and dwell on the reality of God's grace in the midst of brokenness, when we lament our brokenness to God, when we take it to Him, when we focus on the eternity in heaven, and not only gives us peace, 
It frees us from the spots and blemishes, the sin that so easily entangles. That's exactly what Paul experienced. If you go back up the verse before what we saw today, but Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Just go back two verses before where we started our text today. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Now just stop right there. If you remember what it tells us in Corinthians about Paul's sufferings. Everything from shipwrecks to being beaten to all these things. He went hungry, friends. Here's a man who walked with God and was used by God, and God did not spare him from hunger, from shipwrecks, from natural disasters, from beatings of others. He went through so much suffering. And friends, as believers, we are not exempt from suffering. Paul went through suffering far beyond what any of us have experienced, and he loved God, and God loved him, and he still suffered. Friends, I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, friends. Yes, the brokenness is real, the suffering is real, but friends, redemption is coming and glory is coming. So friends, do you lament the brokenness? I hope you will. Do you long for the coming day when Christ returns and makes it right? I hope you will. And friends, and is that hope freeing you from simple patterns now and giving you a longing for God? And I pray it will. So friends, this, this week, let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, to help us lament the brokenness around us, to help us long for heaven, and to help us walk with him with whatever life faces. What else does Christ's death redeem? It begins the redemption of every single part of his fallen creation. Would you pray with me? God, we are thankful for your grace. We are thankful for your love. And Lord, we are thankful that you have given us this hope. And Lord, we confess that so often we are so short-sighted. Lord, I confess so often we live for the here and now and we act like this is everything. God, when we do that, Lord, we get hung up on the hardships we face in life. Lord, would you forgive us for being a people who are so often so short-sighted? Lord, would you give us much grace to fix our eyes on eternity and on heaven? Lord, we pray that as you fix our eyes on eternity this week, that, Lord, you would help us lament the hardships of life. Lord, you see the pain, you feel the pain. Lord, you became a man yourself, and you experienced all the sufferings we experienced. You not only see it, you understand it. And I pray that that would be a comfort to us this week, that whatever hardships we face, that we would know you have faced them too, and you are very near and very present to walk with us through the hardships of this life. Lord, I pray as we lament our sufferings, as we lament the brokenness, even not just in our lives, but in the lives of people we love, as we lament the brokenness of this world, God, I pray it would turn us to you. That every time we feel that pain, we feel that groaning this week, that God, that it would point us to heaven. Or whether it's what we've laughed about with mosquito bites this morning, or if it's the pain of a much deeper relational pain of some separation, or whether it's a financial pain, whether it's the pain of a sickness or the aches in our body, or whatever the pain is we feel this week, whatever the groanings are that we experience this week, Lord, would you use those to grow us and sanctify us and mature us and to turn our eyes to heaven to where each day we find much grace to crane our necks, to stretch our necks, to look to heaven and to long for the day that you make all the wrongs right when you restore everything, when you even give us resurrection bodies free of all these things. Lord, help us remember this week that this is not our home. This world is not our home, that we are passing through to our eternal home with you. And I pray that would give us the hope we need and the encouragement we need and the strength we need to face whatever is on that journey this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song and rejoice in the fact that Christ is our rock and our redeemer.
pray those are not just words we've sung, but the real cry of our heart this day. That, Lord, we see you as our rock, our anchor, our only hope of stability in this broken and hurting world. I pray we see you as our redeemer, the one who has rescued us and who loves us so. But I pray this week that it could be said of us, your people, that we are people who we find you to be the greatest treasure. Lord, give us grace for that. We cannot manufacture that type of desire, but God, you can by your Holy Spirit working within us. So help us find you, not the things this world, to be our treasure this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.